Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Snakeskin knee-high boots, travel umbrellas, and the way the rain stops just as you leave the house. There are a million things I'm thankful for today, but what is my guest thankful for? I think I was used to like youth being one of my things. And it's not anymore. There's people in journalism 10 years younger than me. What's your new thing? I don't know what my new (laughs) thing is. But in terms of being whatever person I am in the room, no, I'm just Mm -hmm. someone in a room, anyone in a room. Welcome to Thanks a Million. I'm Angela Scanlon and this is the show that takes a sneak peek at my guest's gratitude list to find out the people, places and things that have shaped their lives. I'm in an Uber on my way to our next guest. We follow each other on Instagram and have done for a million years but also know each other pretty well. We recently were on holidays, not together but like basically on the same stretch of beach. We have daughters literally days apart. Yeah, so there's a lot of parallels. I'm off to her house. It is impeccable. So I am afraid that I'm going to go to her house and never be able to have her round to mine because it's just like oh, shit. I know where she lives now and how fabulous it is and so it's just a bit mortifying. I'm Pandora Sykes and I'm a astronaut and aeroscientist. <laughs> you got really serious there. I'm Pandora Sykes. <laughs> I'm Pandora Sykes and I am a journalist and podcast host of The Hilo. Did you always want to be an astronaut? As of 10 seconds ago, yes. So what are you most thankful for today? So I was thinking about this this morning in bed. I woke up at 6.30 naturally, which is so rare. I could almost record it. And I was thinking, I'm thankful to live on this road. I really enjoyed this. And then I started thinking about all the things about living on the road that I was thankful for. So I thought, well, I'm thankful for living on a one-way street, Mm. so great for traffic, and that I loved how many children there are on the street, so I felt like I was part of a real kind of familial community, Mm -hmm. and I love how much people say hello. I feel like I'm in a real neighbourhood here. It's lovely. And then I remembered that I hate how bad the roads and pavements are, um, but then I As in they're a bit bockety. I literally spilled an entire coffee down myself whilst pushing the pushchair last week, and I was wearing a white dress, and I could just see a whole coffee. They're so bad. Oh, no. Need to find out my local you, you need to get on the council. I need to get on Well, that. I always thought if you find a road like, like this, you find the most beautiful house, then you get bollards put in. Who do you have to call to get the dude to put the bollards in so that nobody I hate can those come bollards. down? I always ruin my They're car trying pain, to get They're an absolute but so quiet. It yes. means no one will come down unless Oh, you mean actual ones? Not I mean the you have full shebang. Through. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. one way is pretty helpful. Get yourself one on way. a one way. Yeah, okay. Who'd you hook up for that? <laughs> the council? <laughs> Who did you hit, hit for that? I didn't, I didn't make that happen moving. It was there. already done. It was already done. It was part of the charm. <laughs> it's a small... So a that's small what you're thankful for this morning. So that, that exercise, was that purely because you knew I was coming and my unicorn spiralina head was going to tackle you? Or is that generally something you do in the morning and go okay I'm gonna love to tell you that that's my morning routine but actually it's because I knew you were coming and I'd woken up really early naturally which 
is so nice and so rare mm-hmm. because I turned my light out at 9pm last night. I've been doing that regularly. It's the dream. I mean, I did it for the first time last night and it, and then waking up naturally at 6.30. Oh, wow, great. But I'm going to try and do that. Okay. Let's see how long it lasts. So did it, did it feel different when you did it? Because I do, I'm, I'm into a gratitude list. I like to... Yeah, it was nice. Yeah. It was nice. It was like a nice positive, sort of like, I don't know much about like positive affirmations and stuff mm-hmm. like that, but they're probably a bit like that. <laughs> They are because you are quite skeptical. I thought you would be like full tilt all the way, lion's mane lattes. You know, I previously would have thought. No, no, not like that at all. Um, Have headspace on my phone, for example. Have never opened it. That kind of thing. Okay, I'm drinking an oat milk flat white but only because I've realised milk gives me a sore tummy that's like a reluctant okay. embrace of wellness this is new this oat milk thing it's isn't new. it it's new when yeah. we were on holiday in January it wasn't yeah I'm yeah she was like hardcore they were, sorry what normal milk is that even a thing anymore <laughs> yeah you thought yeah. it was retro that I, I drank I did think milk. it was really retro I thought you were making a stand um, no I'm trying to think about little things like that because you I think those kind of tools and trends for getting through life um seem to really be working for people Mm -hmm. you know and I like a quieter life now you know I work from home and I just have a like a gentler life I'm not out and about nearly as much and that really suits me so I think I've been trying to sort of in line with that quieter life Mm -hmm. you know still the mind as well yeah I mean, this is this was only as of this morning, so let's okay. see. <laughs> so far, so good. It's ten o'clock. <laughs> okay, so what is the thing like the thank fuck for this? The thing that you would be lost without. So I was trying to think about this and I was like, oh God, you know, is it a piece of technology? And I was like, no, that's so boring. I think it would have to be, and this is probably equally boring um not boring she's not boring but it would have to be my mum I think just because I am who I am because of my mum definitely and since I had a child and I speak to her every day we've always been close but now we have you know a little rug rat to that there's always something to say updates yeah and then that leads to just an overall knowing of each other and in having my own child I've learned more about her as a mother so I think she's got to be my thank fuck Mm -hmm. yeah and so when you say you've learned more about her as a mother is that is it that when you're with uh, Zadie you're like oh god were we like this when I was growing up has it been because I think for some people it can be quite a shock to the system in realising maybe what you didn't have as well as what you did have from a mother. I think, I don't know if she's the same grandmother as she was mother, but seeing her be a grandmother to Zadie does remind me a lot about growing up with her as my mother, just lots of like, you know, no, we don't make that silly noise. No, we don't. We don't like that silly noise. It's just, it just makes me laugh. Um, and it just, it just brings a new closeness, I yeah. think. And I've learnt so much from her mm-hmm. as well you just um did a wrote a piece yesterday that i saw i saw on instagram i didn't see the full thing yet she n- never cries peril of the modern age i read your piece aka saw a paragraph on <laughs> i saw yeah the, the box I know. isn't that strange growing up with someone that never cried and i would cry a lot and i'd say why do you never cry and she'd go well it doesn't solve anything i, I go but i still don't understand how you don't do it it feels nice kind of <laughs> I know she is stoic wow strong mum and what was that um yeah that's tough it's it's quite a challenge do you try to make her cry 
Uh, no, because you know your parent. You're just born with certainties about your parents. Yeah. No, my dad cries a bit. My dad's you know moved by things. He's quite mm-hmm. emotional. But no, my mum just is so pragmatic mm-hmm. to the nth degree. You know, but as I also said in that piece, like she doesn't drink because she was like, doesn't get you anywhere. Yeah. And I was like, no, that's fun. Yeah. <laughs> that's how pragmatic In the she moment. Is. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah. So there was a reason. There was a logical yeah. reason as to why she wasn't crying. It was just not a lack of awareness. I mean, you know, I'm sure psychologically there's some more. <laughs> <laughs> We're not going to go there. Let's not open that door. <laughs> yeah. So the the thank you next. So maybe a chapter in your life that, you know, either really thankful is over or actually really thankful it happened, even though at the time it felt like the worst thing in the world. I think probably being fired when I was like 23, which felt like the worst thing in the world because I thought that that was my life over. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't realise that actually. Being so where fired were you fired from? I was fired from a magazine. Okay. Are you allowed to name it? Mm, I'm not going to name it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Is it still going? Yes. Okay. In hindsight, it was for so it was for a you know it was for a misunderstanding and the person that fired me. It's not something I would have been fired from anyone else for anywhere else for. Okay. Which I only learned from going into lots of jobs afterwards and going. Listen, I think you should know that I uh, was fired from an internship. And they would go, okay, what for? And I tell them, and they every single one without fail laughed. So it, you know, wasn't the, the biggest peccadillo, but it felt, um, it felt, I felt like a complete failure, and I used it as like a um, stick to beat myself with when I felt down. Okay. You know, when you're like, God, I'm such a shit today, and then you'd be like, and proof of this is you, you use it to reinforce. Yeah, okay. So um, what actually happened? Can you say? I know you've written about it. Have you before, or like the fast, tr- the the synopsis? Do you know what? I don't know if I really... I'll tell you what, we'll play some music and you can tell me on the down low. I mean, I can now see why everyone else thought it was the most ridiculous thing in the world. I think in hindsight, you know, when you have more experience yeah. and you can understand that. But as it was my first job in journalism, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it just took on an outsized importance. But I actually think it's really important to get fired once in your life. Yeah. Um, so why what did it was that okay you used it to as a stick to beat yourself with afterwards but actually did it kind of it was a good thing to happen because with my first job I think maybe I was a little too interested in forming relationships um I'm quite naive about who I trust Mm -hmm. and it meant in next jobs I always had friends but I was never trying to make a best friend at work and I think it's really important that your friends at work are not you know your best friends mm-hmm. I'm sure some people will disagree with that yeah. but when you leave you know very often those friendships do in part dry up not totally I still have really close friends from every single job I've had mm-hmm. you know maybe just one or two from from each place yeah. but I think it, it helped me to understand what was important okay. and to also have barriers at work and to be careful about you know personal self and work self mm-hmm. so I have like the people I work with don't know absolutely everything about me. Okay, so you're not a different version of yourself, but there is Just a separation bit more between versions. version of yourself, you know, not yeah. like overspilling. I think women suffer from this a bit more is that you give everything at work, but you also give your emotional self as well. And then if anything goes wrong, you're leaving behind all these secrets in this building. Yeah. And that makes me feel 
probably why I work from home. <laughs> Sorry, I lit. I had this chat in my head, like with myself the other day, where I was like, "Wow, I tr- I trust really, really quickly. I spill almost immediately, and then I leave, and I'm like." I don't even really know that person. And I also don't know that person's relationship with other people. And I've, you know, given quite a lot. I think that was a really important. Some people that's really absolutely suits. Mm. But I realise that I am definitely someone that I, um, I really judge myself through the opinions of others and stuff like that. So it's very important to me what I put out there Mm -hmm. because I think one of the hardest lessons to learn when you grow up is that not everyone's on your side the world is not out there wanting you to do well most of the time the world doesn't give a shit it's neither good or bad Mm -hmm. but I think that you can't sail through life as I did as someone that had you know a privileged life and lots of people around me to love is I perhaps sailed through life thinking that you know people were on my side and that's just not the way the world Um, works and does it feel because I would argue that maybe it is the universe conspires to give you everything you want and that actually it's only after you've been kind of beaten that you kind of have to fight really hard to continue to believe that the world does kind of want you to do have well. You not heard that phrase uh, I can't remember who said it that the the lucky the harder I work the luckier I get. Yes. yes. So I I think that the world is on your side if you are on the side of the world. I think you get out what yeah. you put in. Okay. But I also think that sometimes there's just shitty stuff whatever happens. Yeah. And um one way to navigate through that shitty stuff is to think, okay, well I protected myself as best I could against mm-hmm. that. Yeah. So that's now more my MO. Mhm. I need to I'm writing down little <laughs> stay at home more. Work from home. <laughs> Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc., The thanks that got away. So this can be like deep or it could be, you know, some guy who picked up your wallet on the tube and and legged it. No, gave it to you back, (laughs) gave it back to you and then legged it. Or it could be somebody who you never had the opportunity to thank. So I struggled with this one because I'm a big thanker because I hate it when people so what about when people when you hold the door for somebody and they just don't when even acknowledge it when you move by on the pavement so they can go by what do you do in that instance? I sometimes say you're welcome so do I really <laughs> so mum isn't it you're welcome by the way don't worry about me here all day <laughs> but I say it's quietly so they can't hear which is okay. even more lame <laughs> I don't know. I suppose it would probably be, this is a bit of a boring one, but I imagine quite common for a lot of people, it'd probably be a teacher at school mm. that I was encouraged by. Most of my teachers don't actually really stick in my head. Yeah, okay. <laughs> but I, I did have for lots of us. an or English the bad teacher ones, who is now a novelist. And I often see her books. What's and her name? She's called Julie Cohen. Okay. And I remember when I first started being a journalist, first started... Writing? Yeah. How do you published, say it? Being published? And she would occasionally tweet something like, oh, nice to see my old student, um, you know, Pandora's written this in the Sunday time or whatever. And it was funny because we're not in touch, but like I'm aware of her moving through the world and I think she's aware of me. And that's a nice kind of quiet encouragement from someone that knew you 
20 years ago. Yeah. And so at the time, do you remember her as an English teacher going, oh, you're pretty, you're pretty good encouraging that side of things? I don't, I don't know things. if I remember her. I have a terrible memory. I don't know if I specifically remember her encouraging me, but I remember her as being a sort of positive, excited teacher. Okay. I think teaching is such a hard job that often that excitement isn't there. Mm-hmm. But I remember her as being someone that was like genuinely excited to teach people what she knew and what she loved. Okay. And I think that's a nice thing. So I am thankful to her for that. Julie, did you say her name was? Yeah, Julie. Julie Cohen. Shout out to Jules. (laughs) (laughs) The big thanks. So this is the one. I mean, I'm going to say it's probably a person. I don't think it's your iPhone. (laughs) Definitely not my my iPhone. I'd happily live without my iPhone. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it probably has to be my daughter. Yeah. I think, I I mean, that's such a obvious answer, isn't it? But... um, it's better that it's a person than it's something inanimate, isn't Absolutely. it? Absolutely. Just because I don't subscribe to that idea that, you know, if you don't have children, you never know that type of love because I think people mother in different ways and people have um, maternal relationships in different ways. Mm-hmm. But she definitely heralded in like a very different me or a different part of my life. And my life feels really different since before I had her in lots of great ways, yeah. um, not least because my job is pretty different and I look after myself in a different way and we live in a new home and just all the all those foundations my friendships didn't change Mm -hmm. and um my family's obviously still the same (laughs) but everything else just is different I don't know if you felt that because we obviously have babies at similar times yeah um yeah I definitely I definitely felt that and I I think I felt um you know, sometimes I think I was very hard on myself in that initial yeah, time. Definitely. We both went back to work quite early. and But actually now that there's a little bit of distance and I'm like, oh, wow, I am a, a mother now. That scared me. I don't, I'd never sensed that you were fearful of becoming a mother. In I the lean into it a lot more than I do mm. now. Because again, you know, unless you impress it on other people, they won't. People aren't going to put those boundaries up for you. Yeah. So unless you're like, I can't do that because I need to be home with my daughter that night because my husband's out or whatever you know so I think once you sort of really allow yourself to do what actually in essence everyone else is Mm -hmm. doing I'm really okay with that now I think I really worried that people would think that was all of my identity and I'd had this identity foisted on me which I didn't really welcome as to be honest as having a large Instagram following I kept on being called an influencer and stuff like that which was very confusing to me because I was out and about so little and I was home working and podcasting mm-hmm. exponentially more. So okay, then I got so worried this... about having another identity put on me. That wasn't chosen as Yeah, such, that or... was just a part of me, not all of me. So mm-hmm. I said no to writing about mothering and I said no to going on mother's panels and uh, working with uh, children's brands and do anything like that. Yeah, and okay. I still wouldn't do any of that just because that's not where my work lies. But I definitely like feel okay about the fact that I might have seen no one all weekend but her mm-hmm. or that I have to turn down, which I do all the time, you know, really fun sounding invitations because it's just not possible with work yeah. and a child. And also yeah, it, the, the priorities, I guess. Yeah. It's like you can't do everything. And actually people don't have endless empathy for people trying to do everything. Mm-hmm. You know, we all have to make sacrifices. Yeah. Um, and it's not even necessarily sacrifices. It's just different lives. Mm-hmm. I think now we definitely live in a time where we try to do absolutely everything at once. And um, I'm really trying to think, okay, well, I'm not going to do that right now. Hopefully I can do that next year. Yeah. You know? 
That's a really sensible approach, though. Because I do remember us having a conversation where you said... I don't, I, I'm quite good at not looking at a, around, at not comparing. I don't get, you know, jealous of other people's... Uh, no, I just compete with myself. I, which is the hardest person to compete because with. Because if someone offers me something, mm-hmm. I feel like I should say yes, because I think, God, I'm so lucky to get this. Now I'm trying to do a bit more like, okay, I'm 32. It's okay. I've worked. Yeah. You know, I don't, I don't have to be endlessly grateful that someone wants me to clean their loo, like... Yeah. You know, yeah. um, so, but it's also that thing when you're freelance as well. And if you see like, oh, and this is the money and you're like, oh God, I could, that would pay for my childcare this week. Or mm-hmm. you think like that. So I'm trying not to do that so much. Yeah, It is interesting though, that idea of feeling like, and I think it definitely comes from freelance because you've kind of been freelance forever, really, have you? Well, you- I had, I had full time, I had a full time job until I was... 29 but you also work but I freelance on the side, on the side. yeah because yeah. I just remember you, I mean your work rate I worked more when I was younger I remember when I was at Sunday Times and the debrief which was a Grazia's mm-hmm. little sister website which is no longer here I didn't have to be until 10 which is I know astounding but quite a normal journalist hours yeah. and then I'd probably stay till 6 30 or 7 um so I would work on my blog from like 7 till 9 mm-hmm. and then you know quickly get changed and go into work and then I would work on the weekends as well um because I would freelance for um other publications I can't really remember at the time who else I, who else I, I do I'm, Cosmo, I'm nor can I, but you were all you were always I do you know what I think I felt I didn't do a master's and it's quite common when you want to go into journalism to do a master's so I felt like I was always and I couldn't get a job in journalism when I left university I was a PA to a screenwriter for a year which was amazing he's amazing so accomplished but I didn't you know learn anything about journalism that time Mm -hmm. so I always felt like I had to catch up but then I'm also the youngest child so I always feel like I have to catch up okay and there's that thing as well about when you're no longer the youngest person in the room I think that's a weird thing when you turn 30 as well. Okay. Oh, so what? Before you were... Yeah, your thing is no longer being young. I I became an editor at Sunday Times when I was 27, which was relatively young. Mm -hmm. I'm the youngest child. I think I was used to like youth being one of my things. And it's not anymore. There's people in journalism 10 years younger than me. (laughs) Okay. So does that mean then you've... What's your new thing? Or have you consciously... What's my new thing? Um, I don't know what my new thing is. My, I mean, I obviously like uh, work-wise, I've decided what you know my hat is. Yeah. But in like in terms of being the being whatever person I am in the room, no, I'm just mm-hmm. someone in a room. Anyone in a room. I don't have a shtick anymore. I think your style has a massive it forms massive part of your identity from people outside looking in. Do you know what? Much less now or in a much less high octane way. Yeah. So I don't really think about what I wear now. Mm -hmm. And I really like not getting dressed up a lot. I used to definitely be much more highfalutin with all the trends and stuff like that. There's a lot of stuff I wouldn't wear now. And actually, I don't... I've I've sort of done a shift in that I don't love fashion. Like, I don't read show reports anymore. I try not to shop a lot. You know, I buy a lot more vintage. Um... I like style Mm -hmm. and um, I enjoy 
feminine shapes and lovely prints and silky things and vintage cute things and great coats but I'm trying to be a lot more like this is just a part of how I express myself whether or not it's in clothes or in the way I entertain or in the way I decorate my home I didn't like the emphasis so much on that I think that might just be getting older you know I I was a fashion editor five years ago that was halfway through my career yeah. um, but also it, it makes you think because I know when I worked in fashion and people they would I would say I'd, you know with family or with friends or with people I had just met and they would say um, so what, what should I be wearing I was like honestly I don't give a shit. Whatever makes you happy. That's what I always said. Yeah. And that was the thing I found the hardest about fashion is um, people would say, like, do you like my shoes? And I I don't care about your shoes. Let's talk about, like, something you've seen at the cinema or a book you're reading. Or anything. And do you know what? That was... That was a real part of my pivot. Is I don't I don't work with fashion brands and I don't really write any fashion journalism and the high-low has no fashion on it. And um, that is absolutely not a denial of where I came from. I think it was just an evolution that I realised I was much more interested in um, being in a place of social comment. It's mad though because when I started working in TV, my background had been fashion as well and fashion writing and and so when I would go and have conversations about what I wanted to do in TV, they all thought, well, here's a relatively normal girl who can do fashion in an accessible way. And I was like, I don't, I don't want to do fashion. Yeah, I, I never meant to, to end up in it. No, nor did I. And then I had to absolutely deny it it was like I'm I don't do fashion anymore in order to be seen in a different way and it's only now that I feel like I'm allowed to you know dip my toe and enjoy it in the way that I always have because people see you in a different space and they don't define you as being the fashion girl I think what was quite a nice realization for me is that I could still enjoy fashion and dress the same way um I just didn't have to work in it yeah so I still can love all those things but I don't need to um work with brands and I don't Mm -hmm. need to write about it It, it's just it's not that I've turned my back on it it's just not my focus at the moment and that made me feel a lot less like I'd made this strict decision because people don't really like young women changing especially young women who have a sort of digital presence Mm -hmm. so in order to change you have to be quite I'm not doing this it take you know it's taken me yeah and you've two got to years. stick to that quite and you've rigidly got to, and you've got while. to stick to that so it's not that I'm snobby about it or looking down on that it's just not something that fits into my life right now yeah. that's how I think of it the idea of ownership and people owning you slightly on digital I remember saying to you I was like that you had posted a picture and and because um, you usually will tag where where you got things which is a very kind and this one thing wasn't ta- I was like where the fuck did you get the jumper Pandora I was yeah, like really so irate about it so I don't really post pictures of myself at the moment yeah. and I don't tag them and do you know why I think it's because unfortunately we've moved into a space where tagging things looks like it's a fashion photo Mm -hmm. and I didn't want any picture I was putting up to be about what I was wearing so I don't tag stuff Mm -hmm. at the moment if someone asks of course I would tell them but I felt like anytime I tag stuff I had to be like oh I bought this by the way and I just that just wasn't the space that I wanted I'm kind of being quite I've stepped back quite a lot from social media anyway and you know check it a couple of times a week at the moment Twitter I look at every day but Instagram I only check it twice a week and um, so it's kind of part of just not being on it so much anyway but I didn't like that that was overshadowing everything I was doing so yeah I'm afraid not not everything's tagged (laughs) Right. You can always ask me. Just text me. <laughs> text. Yeah. 
I was like, I want people to hear what I say, not look at what I wear. That was the. Do you the know, thing. I don't. I don't even mind if they look at what I wear. It's just that, like, that's not the reason for me putting up the picture, and yeah. I don't want the impetus to always be there. Mm-hmm. And I think where social media, where we are with it right now, is it's just that has become so. That was what I wanted to step away a bit from. Yeah. You feel better for doing that? Definitely, yeah. much better, much less defensive. Okay. Because, you know, less trying to go, that's not what I'm about. That's just a part of me. I was just like, well, you know what? If you stop putting that kind of thing in the public eye, then people will stop misunderstanding who you are. So, you know, I think you have to take control a bit if you're feeling misunderstood. Mm -hmm. I think your poetry also is my fave. Oh, thanks. I stopped putting that on Instagram, actually, because... So why did you do that? Because I thought it's really good to have stuff that's not always out there. And also someone... I think someone called it Insta poetry, and I was like, oh no, I don't want it to exist as something on Instagram. Okay. I want it to be my own thing. Mm-hmm. So I just write it now for me. I think it's good to have stuff that's not out there. Yeah. What is the gift that you are most thankful for? Aside from humans, because yeah. we've already done humans. Mm-hmm. I think it would be, actually, this is one of the gifts I'm very thankful for. It's from an artist called Hester Finch and she drew Zadie and I for Ollie's birthday. And I absolutely love that. It's the first piece of art I have of Zadie and I. And I love it because you can tell it's us. So um, that I thought was an extraordinarily lovely gift from someone I really admire. So was that, it based off a picture? No, we sat down for about 30 seconds. Yeah, I mean, sitting down with a toddler. But that's why I think it's so amazing, because she did it in like 30 seconds. That's magic. So I think that's a lovely gift. Yeah. Those are the things that you have forever as well. Yeah, and actually the photo albums that my mum did for me when I was growing up. So you see the A, B, C, D, E, F, they're all numbered. um, And she did them all for us. They've got like a whole library at home. And then the blue ones are my ones to carry on the tradition. But I'm about three years behind. That is so sweet. (laughs) Yeah, rather than just printing out the photo box ones. But I went really rogue when I was about 18. And my method of displaying was to cut everyone out. Except for yourself. No, just to cut like around them. Oh, oh. Okay. So the, I mean, a beautiful leather album filled with these just monstrous, like Where you've cut dynamic. The out. Yeah, okay. I cut all the landscape out and like layered. Should have just gone straight. <laughs> okay, that's cute though. Um, okay, last question. If you were to win, like, what would be the thing that you would win? Like the prize. I always say, you know, the the Oscar or the BAFTA or the Pulitzer. Is that how you say? <laughs> I, think, I think it's that. I actually don't know. Man Booker Prize, maybe. Is there a book? There is a book. The Man, the man Booker Prize is, is a prize. I hmm. think it's highly unlikely that I'll win myself one of those. But thank you. Well, we'll see. I've got high <laughs> hopes for you. So if you were to do like a, a, a thank you speech, who who would you hit up in it? I think I think I would just do sort of what everyone does, isn't it? Just that it would be the family Cry. and no. the friends. Mm-hmm. Um, I try not to do a Gwyneth at the Oscars yeah. um, t- to do the sort of 20-minute sob fest. 
I thank friends that inspired me. I'm really inspired, not necessarily inspired by like specifics of what they say, but just how they fortify me and um, make me feel confident to move through the world just by being great friends. Mm -hmm. So I would thank them. And I would obviously thank my long-suffering husband. And I would thank my heavenly nanny for making my daughter so happy. Mm -hmm. And I'd thank the people I worked with um, because most of them have been amazingly positive experiences on my life and all of it brings you a little bit closer to what you're doing Mm -hmm. I don't think there's any like surprising ones in there I I, am like my therapist or my yoga teacher okay no it's not you babe (laughs) um although you do um and and I love that you do this it it is thanking your nanny I think there's so many people who kind of keep that as like a a hidden thing and actually I had a conversation with somebody recently who was like you're doing yourself and other women a disservice. Not mm. She wasn't speaking specifically about me, but she was like, if you pretend that you're doing all of this by yourself, it makes A, other women feel like shit because they're like, how does she look like that and do that and be everything when it's physically and emotionally poss- impossible to, to do it all without I actually feel help. crap when someone asks me if I have childcare because I'm like, you think I'm working this much? I'm working a full-time job yeah. and I'm not having childcare. Mm. Like, God, how much should I be doing? I think I still feel a little bit of guilt just because I think that you just, I think that that is a default. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm I'm really aware that it is a privilege to have a nanny because they are expensive. And obviously the more affordable option is to send your daughter to nurse, is to send your child Mm -hmm. to nursery. The thing is, is I went back to work when she was five weeks old, which I don't recommend. And no nursery, quite rightly, will take any children before six months. So I don't really know how I was meant to plug five months of work I don't have family who live in London who could look after her every day mm-hmm. so it was com- it was necessary to have a nanny at the beginning and then I felt like six months was still too young to have her to nursery and now that she is at an age when she can go to nursery um, Mimi has become part of our family and I am tremendously lucky that I can afford to have her as part of our family and that it really benefits my mental health to have my daughter at home and I work from home and I get to pop in and see her. I think I still feel a lot of residual sadness that I didn't take more time off with her. So I I kind of feel like if I can afford this, then I'm going to take that opportunity to check in with her. Mm -hmm. And, you know, hopefully Mimi will continue to be a part of our family as we have other children. Mm -hmm. Um, But I am tremendously lucky. But equally we're all lucky in a million ways. You know, I'm, I'm really lucky to live in a house. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. You could go on and I'm happy to always shout out when I'm lucky. I'm certainly not going to hide stuff because I do think now sometimes that the conversation about privilege is so important and um, it's so important that people are honest about the foundations on which they rose up. And I have had a tremendously privileged life. I could not, you know dispute that for a second and nor would I want to and that's what's really important to Dolly and I that on the high-low we have um, a real range of voices a diversity not just of skin color but of storytelling and of Mm -hmm. experience that's how I think you should lend your platform when you've had a a very privileged life but by extension I think sometimes that the privilege debate swings to then be made into something where people should feel guilty about what they have Mm -hmm. and then that leads to shame and to not being honest and I'm really big on being honest. Mm-hmm. So I would rather hold my hands up about all I'm lucky to have and then try and extend that platform to other people. 
big, big thank you to Pandora Sykes. Her podcast, The High Low, which she presents with Dolly Alderton, is absolutely amazing and you should all check it out now. She's also got a book in the works, so keep your eyes peeled for that. If this has sparked some ideas about what you're thankful for this week, drop them to me at hashtag thanksamillion or at Angela Scanlon on all the usual platforms. And if this is your first taste of Thanks a Million, then do subscribe via Apple Podcasts, Spotify or on your Google Home or Amazon device. And... If you're loving the show, which we hope you are, please write us a review on Apple Podcasts. We're only three apps in, so they all help. And hopefully we'll help more people like you find us. So spread the word. Thanks again to Pandora, to my producer Matt Hill at Rethink Audio, and to you guys for listening. Thanks a million. This is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win, and support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc.